Good morning. So welcome back to our teaching on Why Do We Pray, Part 8. This one's titled Hold Fast. And what we've been learning uh, lately about is <clears throat> how unbelief uh, hinders our prayers and how we uh, also, uh, can, when we're fasting and praying, like fasting is emptying ourselves and prayer is filling ourselves. And uh, in the last two sessions, I've mentioned a couple things about how there's different things in the scripture that talk about our, what hinders our prayers. And I gave you guys a list about um, unbelief, unforgiveness, not discerning the body of Christ, lack of peace with your spouse, wrong motives, things like that. And so uh, I had a request that I would go ahead and expound on that. So today we're going to expound on that. The reason why the title of the message is Hold Fast is because of Hebrews chapter 10, 20. Three. We're going to go there real quick first, okay? So we're going to go to verse 19, and we're going to read there. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, all right, so stopping right there, we have confidence to go into the holy place because of the blood of Jesus, all right? So the blood of Jesus is what makes me righteous, all right? This, this, is, this is key to, like, everything. All right. Without this, I can't have faith for anything. Without this, I can't believe God for anything. Uh, without this, I don't even have access to the throne room. Okay, So I can boldly go before God simply because of the blood of Jesus. This takes us back to the beginning of the whole series, you know, where we could boldly approach God. But uh, we're going to keep going here. So by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God... Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. All right, so today we're going to be talking about this, being having a full assurance of faith. When you go before God, what does it take to have a full assurance of faith? I mean, you can be born again by the blood of Jesus, you know what I'm saying? You know, you entered into, his, uh, into this new life in him. But now when we go before God in prayer, we have to have full assurance. And part of having full assurance isn't just being born again in the spirit. It's having a renewed mind. Okay. And so if we have a renewed mind, this is where Jesus talks about in John chapter 15, the abiding. He says, abide in me. All right. Let me just read that back here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is John chapter 15, 7 through 9. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So we're talking about a full assurance of faith and we're talking about abiding. You know, And, and we talked about last time how you can have faith for different things. So what we want is we want a full assurance. You know, We want to constantly be abiding in him. And this is how we continue to get our prayers answered. Because we have a renewed mind. We're abiding in Him. We're constantly living life through Him. It's not, And this is why the scripture says in Galatians, it says, even for instance, that it'll say, uh, keep your mind on the things of the Spirit. If I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, I won't gratify the desires of the flesh. All right, so, and he's talking to Christians in Galatians, right? So obviously you can be a Christian and all of, and, and, and all of a sudden stop being dwelling on the things of the Spirit. Right, and then you're going to gratify the desires of the flesh, which we kind of talked about yesterday. Um, so the full assurance of faith is a constant striving. Hebrews talks about it as 
striving it to enter into the rest of God. All right. So there's this constant moving forward. Isn't just like a done deal. Well, you know, I mean, does it make sense? There's three parts of your salvation. We, we've talked about this many times. You get born again. That's it. You're, it's a done deal. But then you're renewed daily in your mind. And so this part today we're going to talk about is, is the constant renewing. It's the constant um, moving forward in Christ. Does that make sense? Not just staying back. At, you know, I got born again. Well, now I'm done. I got my ticket to heaven. You know, it's about um, knowing and having full assurance. It's about abiding. And it's about knowing who you are in Christ. So, <clears throat> and then living like it. Um, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. All right? So, now we're talking about our conscience. You know? It's an evil conscience. Like, the thing is, a lot of times, man, we, we're if we're dealing with condemnation, for instance, then we have an evil conscience. Does that make sense? Because we're thinking about all the things we did wrong, and we have a conscience. This means with knowledge, so we're having a, a, a evil, you know, a, a mind with knowledge of the evil we've done. Does it make sense? When our mind should be focused right here. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. If we're constantly in sin, we can't get our mind out of sin, so we're not thinking about Jesus. If we can keep our mind on Jesus, then this helps us remove sin in our life. Does that make sense? It's a constant process of growth. All right, so. Let's keep going. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. In some translations it says faith. Uh, without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope or our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another, one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet each other. Meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Alright, so we talked about how certain things will cause us to be hindered in our faith. Alright, and, and a lot of people will say, well, for instance, unforgiveness is going to stop you from getting your prayers answered. But we talked about last time how it's kind of like this spigot, you know. And you have this manifold uh, hose drop off, you know. And each one's got a little, little valve on it. That makes sense, and then your hose comes over here for different things. All right. So if the main shutoff valve is being affected in your faith, it's going to affect all these other parts of your faith. Okay. So we're going to talk about the scriptures here, Matthew chapter six, fourteen. It talks about unforgiveness. How unforgiveness prevents forgiveness, which is key to your righteousness, <laughs> which is key for prayer, prayers being powerful and effective. James says the book of James says that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and they're working. So if I'm if my main shutoff valve here is dealing with unforgiveness, then it's going to affect my faith for other areas. Make sense? Uh, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's Mark, uh, Matthew chapter six fourteen. Matthew five twenty three through twenty four says. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So reconciliation between brothers, that's important for uh, our peace with God and for us to be. And, and you have to remember, again, it goes back to the blood. You're, you're always at peace. Does it make sense? You always have access to this peace. But there's still something that happens, happens inside of us 
that causes us to feel like we're estranged. Does that make sense? It's always right here. We just have to step... It's, I like to describe it as, a, as the eve of the house where the rain comes off and it's always right there. It's never running away from you. You can step out of it and, and, and get poured on by the rain or you can step back underneath the eve and be back in the grace of that roof. You see what I'm saying? So it's the same thing. It's the blood of Jesus the same way. It's never He never leaves you or forsakes you. You can always step out of it in, in this in this world right here and you can always step back in it you know uh, and this is we're talking about your spirit versus your soul here because this is this part right here is always at peace with God you got born again and set free forever this is the part right here that has to be renewed this is the part that's double-minded this is the part that goes back and forth does that make sense so just because you you uh, feel estranged doesn't mean that you necessarily are because remember it's by faith faith in what Something that's already happened. The fact that you are righteous. See what I'm saying? This is why the prayers of the righteous uh, availeth much, and, and, and that um, and that it's by our faith that we overcome. See what I'm saying? Not by our deeds or what we couldn't do or what we couldn't underdo, what we, what we couldn't do or what we could do. You know, it has to do with our faith. So we're always having to believe. Oh wait, wait, yeah, that's right. Jesus died for me. He took away my sin, so I should forgive others. But if I don't forgive others, then I'm actually not operating in, in that forgiveness. Sometimes I'm not actually operating in the, in the faith. All right, so check this out. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it, and it'll be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespass. Right? Uh, so those are three verses that talk about the same thing. Ezekiel 14, 2 through 5, it talks about idols in your heart, how they can hinder your faith in God. Those things that you trust in other than God. It's a matter of where you put your faith. Because faith is how you get prayers answered. So if your faith's divided, you see what I mean? Check this out. What do you go for com where do you go to for comfort? As, as, as little as that is, where do you go for comfort? Think about this. If I go... To watch TV for comfort, or go to eat for comfort, or go to drink to comfort, or I have drugs for comfort, or I have a woman for comfort. All that stuff are idols because, see, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. See? Holy Spirit. So if I have these idols in my heart, then it can hinder where my faith is being poured into. Does that make sense? It's not the fact that I have an idol that now God's upset with me. And now he's not going to answer my prayers. It's a matter of where my faith's at. Does that make sense? Check this out. So Ezekiel says, uh, 14, 2 through 5, And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Anyone of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him, as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me through their idols. Okay, so God wants <coughs> our whole heart, all of it, you know. And and in Ezekiel, he it's a perfect illustration about how he says, "Hey, go to your other gods for their for your uh, salvation. Why you pray to me?" <laughs> and that's when it can mess things up. So it's about it's about again back down to faith. And unbelief. Um, Proverbs 12, 21, 13, it talks about um, bringing good news to the poor. In Isaiah 61, it talks about how we, 
how we are bringing good news to the poor. We're anointed to bring good news to the poor. And 20, Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. That's kind of hard, right? So we're not just talking about having faith. We're talking about having faith that's followed up by works. Because the scripture says in James that faith without works is dead. So our faith isn't built on works, but our faith is completed by works. Does that make sense? Our faith is not built on works, but our faith is completed by works. All right? Um, so whenever we're talking about the poor, or we should just say those who are oppressed or in need of good news, we need to be tentative to that because this is the whole point of the gospel. See what I'm saying? It's the whole point of the gospel. Uh, marriage, 1 Peter 3, 7 says... Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So we see that now we have to live in an understanding way. Why? Because God's understanding. <laughs> this is good. See, you as a husband are, are supposed to be understanding to your wives, just like God is understanding to us. So anytime, anytime we are not exemplifying the way that Christ is working with the body, then we're we're actually we're, we're not living in that faith. Does that make sense? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Marriage is the banner of heaven and our relationship with Christ. And not living in peace is living in unbelief. And then discerning the body also. <clears throat> um, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Now we're talking about something else here. Examining yourself. Examine self. Let, eat, let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, watch this. If we judged ourselves truly, and we talked about this yesterday. Uh, if we judged ourselves truly. This is, this is powerful. This is about self-examination and growth. All right. If we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So, again, discerning the body, living in peace with the body. All right. Not uh, all that stuff hinders our faith. Okay. And uh, then we also have uh, have three more examples here. Keeping His commandments. First uh, John three twenty two. This is in the New Testament. So I thought this was important to go ahead and like read this because I always thought, well, it's not a works-based faith, but now I'm reading in 1 John, the New Testament, keeping his commandments, and I thought, well, I need to expound on this. I read it, I looked it up, and somebody said, yeah, if we're not, um, if we're not being obedient to the Lord, we won't get our prayers answered. And then I looked up the verse and saw what it really was meaning. Uh, 1 John 3.22 says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Verse 23 and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So it, the commandment is simple. Believing in Jesus, which brings peace in all areas of our life, and then also loving one another. Just as he has, loved, has commanded us, which was, you know, lay your life down for one another, right? Whoever keeps his commandment abides in God. Now we get back down to John chapter 15, right? This is the key. It talks about abide in me and I, and I abide in you and you'll get whatever I ask, whatever you ask for. So he's telling you right here, this is how you abide in Christ. He says, 
believe in the name of the Son of Jesus, and love one another. So, talk about faith and love, man. And if I could teach two things here, this would be like the most important things right here. Faith and love. Faith in the Lord and what he did for us, and loving God with all your heart and loving people with all your heart. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And then in Proverbs 28, 9, it says, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law or the word of God, even his prayer is an abomination. So again, when we start uh, when we start scorning, in a sense in our heart, we start getting upset with God's word. Like, oh man, I can't believe that. Or that's not in the Bible. Or we start, you know, does that make sense? When we start <laughs> against the word of God, then we actually, uh, our prayers become an abomination. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Again, this is now a love for sin. So love of the world is hatred towards God. So this estranges our relationship with him as well. And all this stuff hinders our faith and unbelief. Uh, all right, so you got all that out of the way. Um, I needed to explain that, come up with the scripture verses. So, all right, so so now what? If what it is, here's the, here's the thing, dude. This holding fast right here, this is important. Holding fast. This is the pressing, the pressing in. The pressing forward. The never giving up. Okay? Never giving up. Always pressing in. Never giving up. Why? Because of my faith. My faith requires endurance. In fact, if you don't have endurance, then you don't have faith. Faith requires endurance. The scripture says, he who endures to the end will be saved. So it's all about pushing through. It's all about pressing forward. It's all about never giving up. It's all about having endurance and persevering. This is so important. This is important. Luke chapter 18, okay? It says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they are always to pray and not lose heart. Not lose heart. So Jesus knew way in advance that people were going to be praying and not be seeing things happen. Right? So Jesus gives us the answer. The answer is not to start coming up with a bunch of doctrines based off of our experience. But the, the, the answer is to press forward. So as we're here, and he told them, right? Verse 2, and he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this woman, or this widow, keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So if we pray and don't get the results we're, we're believing for, then we, we need to remember this passage in Luke chapter 18. The answer isn't anything else that everybody tells us. The answer is don't give up. Okay? Then everybody's like this. What about Job? Right? Well, what about Job? All right. So, what's the biblical? What's what? Because you got the book of Job, but what's the rest of the Bible say about Job? Okay. So, if you go to uh, James chapter five eleven, uh, you know, too many times we focus on the hardships of Job and not on the blessing that he received by persevering. Okay. James chapter five eleven says, "Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast." You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. All right. So the moral of the story of Job 
was not his hardships. But this is what everybody gets all wrapped up on. Well, this is just my Job experience, you know. And another thing, why do we keep relating to an Old Testament character like that? <laughs> Who didn't have promises like we do, you know. Who didn't have Jesus walking on earth and say, hey man, pray what you want and you're going to get it if you believe in me. You know what I mean? I mean, Job didn't have Jesus covering him, making him the righteousness of God. Now, I will say this, Job saw it. He says, behold, my Redeemer stands upon, I see him, he's going to stand on this earth. So Job actually reached into something that wasn't even for his time and then got deliverance. And that's what we have to see it as. We can't see it as, well, look, you know, he suffered and now we all have to suffer. I mean, we're all going to suffer. But that doesn't mean that we're destined to stay there. You know, Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. But then Jesus got off his cross. So there's these, there are these death and resurrection experiences in our life. And we always have to remember that when we, faith is designed for that. Faith is actually given to us so that we can go into death and come back out. You see what I mean? All right, so check this out. Then James adds insult to injury, right? So he says, he says here, consider those, the one who remains steadfast. Remember Job? So all James even remembers about Job is not his hardship, it's his steadfastness. Like, I really feel like Job gets a bad rap. Oh yeah, Job, he's the one who went through it all. But that's not how we should remember Job. <laughs> we should remember Job as the steadfast one who eventually broke through and God blessed him twice as much as what he had before. See what I'm saying? And he lived 140 years old or something like that. Saw seven, like, saw like four generations of kids, you know, after him. He had tons of, I mean, everything was restored twice as much as he lost. So in James chapter 5, it says, uh, so on top of this, we see, we see James saying that we should remember Job for his steadfastness, not for his hardship, okay? And then he goes on and says, even more, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has com committed sins, he will be forgiven. So this is, I mean, James is really believing in faith and believing in mountain-moving faith, you know. So, I, I put this in my notes. When tempted to ask, what about Job? <clears throat> I encourage you to think on the fact that John, that Job had an inferior covenant with God, number one. Number two, instead, you should ask, what about the blind man, the lame man lowered through the ceiling, the lady with the bad back, the lepers, the woman with the issue of blood, Jarvis, the uh, uh, dead daughter who was raised from the dead, the 5,000 hungry people, the 4,000 hungry people, the man at the pool of Bethesda, Lazarus raised from the dead, the centurion servant, the Syrophoenician woman and her daughter, the man with a withered hand, Peter's mother-in-law, the epileptic boy, the multitudes that we don't even know the details about, widows, de uh, the widow's dead son that was raised, the lame beggar that Peter and John met at the gate, the man who fell out the window that Paul, when he fell asleep when, John, when Paul was... See, I don't feel bad when people fall asleep when I'm preaching. Because <laughs> Paul preached and people fell asleep, baby. <laughs> and then he fell out the window and died and Paul raised him from the dead, right? <clears throat> so the sick person, uh, let's see. The sick on the street that the shadow of Peter touched. The sick that Paul sent the handkerchief to and the aprons. The paralyzed that Philip healed. The Paul who, whose eyes were opened by Ananias. Paul was, big, was bit by a viper and shook it off. He went into a shipwreck. He got stoned. Like, like when people stone you, it's to the point of death. I'm pretty sure that Paul was stoned to death. 
That's my personal opinion. Everybody else might say, well, he just got knocked unconscious, but I think he was dead. And then he got back up. That's my personal opinion, but I can't prove it. But anyway, <clears throat> the father of Publius with dysentery. <laughs> uh, Peter's chains falling off and supernatural escape from prison because of the prayers of the saints. So my point is this. Everybody wants to focus on one guy's story. One guy. And I got like 30 people here. And then there's probably hundreds that came to Jesus and got healed. That we don't even have recorded. You know what I mean? Crazy stuff. Bottom line is Matthew chapter 13 verse 58. Uh, it says, And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. You know? Mark chapter 6, 5 through 8. And he could not do mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a, a few sick people. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, this is why I don't believe, um, I don't believe that other people's faith should affect your prayers. Because, see, Jesus had faith. He walked into the place, man, whenever the city had no faith. Some of them still, obviously, some of them had faith. The city as a whole had unbelief. You know? The city as a whole had unbelief. And so he couldn't do but, but just a few miracles. <laughs> I mean, think about this. Like, some of us don't even have a few miracles. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Jesus is going to a place. It's obviously abnormal. My point is, it's abnormal when Jesus would walk into a city and only a few miracles. Why would they note? Like, normally we note that there was a miracle. They noted that only a few miracles happened. Does that make sense? It was so normal that everybody got healed that when only a few got healed, they had to bookmark that. See what I'm saying? Whoa, that's crazy. Only a few people got healed. My point is this, man. Other people's unbelief don't really affect your effectiveness, the effectiveness of your prayers. It's your unbelief, you know? So then the question is, did Jesus have unbelief? No, it was the city. So it doesn't, so just logically, you can depict that it wasn't that, that they brought a bunch of people and Jesus prayed and only half of them got healed. The city had unbelief. So why would they even bring him to him in the first place? Because all the other cities, it said, he healed all that were brought to him. See what I'm saying? So it's not the other people's faith that hinders the prayers. It's our own faith. And if they don't have faith, they won't even come. They won't even say, hey, can you heal my boy? You know what I'm saying? So, all right, we'll keep going. John chapter 15 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Um, and so we talk about here how God is glorified in answered prayers. You know, I'll give you all <clears throat> a couple examples real quick, even in my own life. You know, we've had, uh, we've had moments where, where we've had to believe just like for finances and stuff, you know. And we would come down to the very last minute, you know, and all the money just comes right in, you know, like miraculously. Like I never expected it to come through. And I even have moments where the money didn't come in, but to the ministry portion, and we couldn't even pay all the bills or whatever. But then, well, me personally, you know, couldn't pay me personally. But then somebody else would just come up to me and hand me uh, money to, and say, this is for you personally. This is not for the ministry, you know. And this, this it was actually last month. 
It happened like that. We had uh, somebody give me money personally, and that money actually paid my bills, which if I hadn't received that, we wouldn't have had enough. Does that make sense? My point is this, though. I don't like drawing a line. Uh, when it comes to faith, it's about holding fast, man. It's all about holding fast and never giving up. You know? It doesn't matter what it looks like. It has to be impossible. It has to be impossible. If it's not impossible, then it, faith has no purpose being there. You know? And so literally, um, you know, my, the story I was telling you about that is, is two months ago, um, or I would say two months ago, I don't remember the months. I did kind of start running together in, in my mind. But three months ago, dude, the Lord had told me to do something that I hadn't been obeying him on. And I just submitted to what he, what he said in faith. And I knew whenever I did this, it was going to hurt me financially. Okay? In, the men, in men's eyes. All right? That very first month, man, the bills, all the money came into the ministry just the way perfect. Perfect. Smooth as butter. You know? All right. So, that was nice. Because everything was perfect, peachy, didn't have to worry about nothing, man. It was smooth. All right? Now, keep this in mind. Before I obeyed God on this thing, the months before, for three months, I worried and then I had anxiety, okay? And I had worry, all right? That's not faith. Just going to let you know right now. If you're worried about it, it's not faith, all right? If you're worried about it. Now, I always say this. Faith is not necessarily the absence of unbelief. It's the ability to throw your unbelief aside, okay? So sometimes you'll get this worry, and you have, when you, once you start worrying, you must notice it. That's unbelief. Man, I'm going to get rid of that in the name of Jesus. And you start getting rid of it. You have to recognize anxiety and worry as unbelief so that you can get rid of it. All right? If you don't recognize it, then you can't actually get rid of it. All right. So, those three months, I was like, man, I'm so worried about all this stuff. Why is this happening? Whatever. And then I felt like the Lord was telling me, hey, you need to do this and you need to do this. And these two things hurt me financially in men's eyes. No, not in God's eyes because it was perfect. Like, just what God wanted me to do. And God's my provision anyway. People aren't, you know. So, that next month, man, I decided to obey the Lord. And that whole month went smooth as butter. The second month, we get 20 days into the month. We're we're $3,000 short on what we need. Which is just crazy, all right? So, I get, we get down to the very line, the very last Two, three days of the month, we still are $2,500, $2,300 short for the last two days of the month. <laughs> We're going to do a fundraiser. We put $1,000 in the bank. I'm like, okay, Lord, I still got one day left. I still am short $1,300. <laughs> so we go down to, the, bank, I go down to the, the post office that night and find a check in there for $900. And then I go home and, and my in-laws show up and write me a $244 check. And it all ends up working out. With, I think there might have been another gift in there too that all made it all add up. So that was the second month into it, right? Everything came through. But the whole that, that whole second month though, I had to train myself to get rid of that anxiety and worry. Because I knew what the Lord had told me to do. And I was going to be obedient no matter what. Alright? But most people, they look at the experience and they'd say, God's not providing. We need to do something different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Alright. So the third month comes, right? The whole month goes by and we are still short. I don't know. $2,000? <laughs> the money never comes in. All right, so now what? 
Now do I just throw the towel and say, you know what, God, forget this. You know, you're not providing. And this is the month that um, I shorted myself because, you know, the ministry pays us. Uh, but I just shorted myself a whole bunch. And I just trusted the Lord. I said, you know what, God's got my back. I don't know how it's going to work out. Maybe a bill will be canceled. Maybe I'll, they'll say I overpaid on something. I don't know. Maybe somebody will buy me a ton of groceries and I won't have to buy those groceries. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out. All I know is, God, you got me. That's it. You know? And so, next thing you know, somebody walks up to me and hands me a check. Says, this is for your family. It's not for your ministry. And somebody else get, uh, called me up and says, I got a little job. It's an afternoon job. It's going to take about three hours and I'll pay you 100 bucks. So I'll go do this little job and make $100 on that job. And then somebody else, and, then, and at that point, my all my bills, when I added it all up, I was only $10 short of what I normally pay myself to make my bills meet. And this whole time, I've been eating out of my savings, you know, making sure. But the thing is, my point is this. I trusted the Lord no matter what, no matter what I saw, even if it was completely impossible, you know. And then, check this out. <clears throat> somebody else gave me a little card with Christmas in it and said, here, here's 100 bucks. And $100, I could buy my Christmas gifts for Christmas. So that was in December. <laughs> so here, that was last month. Yeah, that was last month. Anyway. My point is, dude, whenever we hold fast the confession of our faith, we can't operate in our anxiety and worry, man. We have to trust the Lord no matter what, no matter what it looks like. And I remember, uh, <clears throat> uh, and I tell this testimony too, I don't remember, I guess it was about a year ago, um, my wife was having this miscarriage. And the scripture says in Exodus, it says you'll not be bearing a miscarriage. So we're having this miscarriage, and... I'm just like, first of all, it's the most painful thing I ever went through in my marriage. <clears throat> but we ended up, uh, I was just looking up the scripture, man. Just trying to find as much of the healing scripture as I possibly could, you know? And I was just blasting Facebook <laughs> with all these healing scriptures, man. Boosting my faith up, boosting my faith up. And we lose the baby, right? And I remember the woman, uh, a woman comes to pray for my wife and sits on the bed. And I said, uh, I looked at her and I said, listen, I don't care. I don't care if the baby comes out. If the baby comes out, God will put another one in there. Because my God says in his word, and his word is true, I don't care what I see. The word of God says you'll not be bearing a miscarriage. So I just trust the Lord. And it looks like we're losing this baby. And we probably are losing this baby. But the Lord says he'll put another one in there. We're gonna, he's going to bless me. So we prayed. Within six weeks, my wife was pregnant again. This is my youngest son, Samuel. So we named him Samuel because the word Samuel means God has heard. And Kai, his middle name, means life. God has heard life. And so, um, my point, and then after that, that whole month after that, man, my faith had increased so much because I decided, I didn't even believe it. Let's put it this way. When we lost the baby, I didn't even believe it. I was so in the word of God that part of me would absolutely not even accept the fact that we lost this baby. Like, I still have trouble, like, accepting the fact that we lost this baby, you know, because I know what the Word of God says. And so, that whole month after that, people come in the store and they get healed. I mean, I had a guy come in who had a bad shoulder, and the Lord showed me that his bad shoulder was there. He prayed for his shoulder, and he got healed. A guy had a bad ankle, got healed, you know. Multiple things happened, like, every other day. And it was pretty awesome. But my point is this, though. Like, part of faith, here's what part of faith is. Part of faith is going through the impossible. The thing that is 100% impossible with men. And just still believe in God no matter what. 
and believing the word of God, period. That he's not a liar and he's always going to come through. And he's always faithful. So, hold fast confession of your faith. Just me. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignedministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God. 